Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgham. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So let's dive in. What's today's topic? Well, today we are honored to have with us a special guest by the name of Major Ken Corigliano, uh, better known throughout the competitive obstacle course racing world as Air Force Ken. Um, Major Corigliano has uh, a wonderful story of resilience and fighting back against uh, all kinds of different obstacles, both tangible and intangible. And he's here today to share with us some of the stories of his challenges and his overcoming. And thank you as well. It's a, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Um, I was raised in Florida, and uh, that's where I joined the Air Force uh, shortly after uh, my sister passed. Um, it was a tough time, and my, my parents got divorced. And um, the stability that I found in uh, my recruiter and the professionalism uh, was very attractive to me in that turbulent time period. And so I uh, enlisted in 97 and activated in 99. So I'm a pre-9-11 baby. And um, uh, I was a flying crew chief, actually, on an MC-130E. And we were the first ones out uh, right after uh, 9-11. Well, that's impressive. How were your deployment experiences? They were good. Um, I, I, I love deploying because that's uh, really the reason why we wear the uniform, separates us from everybody else, uh, even the you know contractors and such. Uh, this, this is our job. And um, it was great. It was very austere out there, you know, not even having restrooms uh, for the first few months. And that was cool because, um, you know, when you come back home, and you marvel at the ability for the the refrigerator the, the refrigerator to stay cold and the and the toilet to flush. Uh, you really get a perspective um, of appreciation um, that helps you in the later parts. Uh, what we're going to talk about when you when you find some troubles and obstacles in your life. Uh, so deploying into those types of environments were great, and um, I got an air medal and a medal of heroism. Uh, and I got a commission slot out of that, and they sent me back to Florida. And I got a full four-year scholarship to St. Leo University, and I commissioned in uh, 2006. Oh, that's outstanding. I went to college right up the street from you, so at the University of Tampa. So I had uh, our CC friends there. So that's really great. And I was out at Florida State, so not far from your stopping grounds. Oh, nice. Great. I actually took classes at University of Tampa, and I was a gubernatorial fellow at Florida State University for a year under Jeb Bush. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> small world. Small world. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the obstacles, literally, uh, you've dealt with as far as obstacle courses and how you got to them. Sure. Um, in 2013, I was visiting my family in Florida. Um, I was about to PCS there, and I always go back home. You know, uh, no matter what's going on with the family, I always come back home and and uh, see everyone. And uh, there was a, a race that just happened to be at the uh, Little Everglades Steeplechase course, which is where we used to do cross-country running at St. Leo. And my coach was like, you should come out. Uh, I'm helping park cars to raise money for the university, and you should come do the race. And it was Savage Race, and uh, I loved it, man. It was about six miles. Obstacles were really big, but they were spread out, so it was manageable. And the people just seemed to have a good time. You know, it was a community 
just like in the Air Force, the community is very attractive and uh, fell in love that day. What, what did you like about it? Obstacle course races that are outside in, in nature really reflect on who we are as human beings uh, out in nature in, encountering obstacles that can be very um, into, intimidating. And uh, it's almost like life. You know, it's almost like where we begin and where we end and we go through obstacles in life. And I, I really appeal to that um, because of the, the nature aspect as well. And it, it armed me for things in my life to go, hey, <laughs> you know, I climbed a 20-foot wall. Uh, this particular situation, you know, my movers, you know, losing stuff or, you know, having troubles with the marriage or, or family or whatever. They're all obstacles and how you perceive them and how we traverse them and subsequently finish the obstacle is really important. And that's what this type of athletic activity taught me. It's, it's like a metaphor for life and it, it was great. You know, and to enjoy it at the same time is really key. No, so how did you go from doing maybe you know, obviously being an athlete in college going to do these obstacle courses and then end up on Netflix? Uh, you're known as Air Force Ken. Obviously, there's some leap that happened. Not everyone does that. So how? tell me how that happened. Well, when I um, I failed my first PT test in ROTC, and, yeah, it was embarrassing. And, um, you know, I had a medal of heroism, and, and they put me in for a scholarship, uh, a commander, deployed commander. And so I arrived at the university only a few weeks later, and... You know, I felt like a little bit of a sense of entitlement because I did earn it. And when when they did the fitness test, it was two miles nonstop, and I stopped. I, 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 had, I had to walk at a half a mile, and that disenrolled me. And it was really embarrassing. And I said, how would I ever expect myself to lead someone else if I can't even if I can't do this, I'm not even prepared to run two miles. This is a joke. And it really, it was a very emotional situation for me because they disenrolled me and they wanted their money back and everything. You know how it works. So I said, never, ever will this ever happen again. So I'm, I trained so hard. I, I got, I joined the cross country team, which was a joke at first because I couldn't even run a half a mile. And the coach was like, where did this guy come from? You know, but I did learn something where, you know, if you want, if you want to do like something that you don't like, you have to d jump in the deep end, you know, to learn to survive. And when you learn to survive, the only way, the only place you go is up. So you, in, you enjoy these little successes. Oh, I just did three quarters of a mile. Oh, I just did a mile. And then that taught me, you know, achieving goals equals happiness, equals success. And so um, I, kept, I kept at it. And then I tried triathlon. I wanted to go up high. I couldn't even swim across the pool. You know, I'm like stronger and I looked more fit than these other swimmers, but they were killing me. And it just didn't make sense. So that taught me it's really how you do things that really counts in life. And so I got the best coaches and I sought out the best athletes in the sports um, or in the coachings. Um, that I could find, and I compared myself, and I modeled myself after them, and very, very quickly, I became very good. 
to where I couldn't swim across the pool in 2005. In 2008, I swam Alcatraz. I went to the Olympics in Beijing as the DOD liaison, and I got to hang out with those athletes and learn from them. You know, the next step was where, where can I go next and what can I do next? And, and OCR, Office Horse Racing, presented itself a few years later, and I was like, okay, yeah, oh, I can do this, and I'm going to master this because it was new and it was exciting and it was a reflection of life and the community was great. And and they had some prize money, too, which was kind of cool. You know, I'd never really... Uh, dude, you know how good you have to be to get prize money in, like, running races or a triathlon? I mean, you have to be an Olympian. You know, it's insane. You're like, hey, this is kind of cool. And so I trained super hard. And literally, guys, like, there is no such thing as obstacle course training. Like, there, there's no such thing. And there's no coaches. There's nobody to tell you, how do you traverse monkey bars and, and drag a cinder block, you know, 500 feet, and then run fast off of that. Like, where, how do you breathe? You know, what do you pull? What muscles do you get? There's no such thing. So we were making this stuff up, and that was kind of exciting too. And I won a lot of races, uh, over 120. Wow. I almost won 100. That's amazing. And what what I'm, I'm taking away from the story is that, you know, here's a guy who – you know, he failed his PT test and said, you know what, not only am I going to, to get to where I need to be, I'm going to exceed that. I'm going to put that so far behind me that it's never even going to become a, a question of an issue ever again. And so, I mean, you took that opportunity and um, excelled. It, it spurred this remarkable growth um, and this drive uh, within yourself that you know, then took you to these great heights where um, you, you used mentors, you uh, took advantage of new opportunities, you challenged yourself, you put yourself outside your comfort zone, and it, it's reaped huge rewards. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it was partly a, along the way to that point, like if, just, if someone's listening and they're like, okay, you know, I can handle some of these adversities I'm going through, but I'm right in the middle of it. That w- what really helped me was totally releasing my ego totally releasing my self-consciousness. Um, just to try to relate in sports, uh, I would go and I would run with the fastest runners. I would swim with the fastest swimmers and bike with the fastest cyclists. And I would get killed. I mean, it would be, it would have normally crushed me. Like, there's no way. Like, I just got dropped by, like, some chick you know, on the bike. But, you know, she's really faster than me. Normally, some people they go, okay, I'm going home. I'm never going to show my face again. But I'm like, no. Okay, I hung with her for six minutes and 12 seconds. I'm going for six minutes and 30 seconds tomorrow. And so the perspective of that adversity or that challenge is so important here. What, what you make it mean, is it a challenge or is it going to beat you down? Because life will beat you down and it will keep you there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And just like you were talking about with the rock wall um, earlier on, you look at this obstacle and it seems insurmountable at the at the moment. But then um, you you push yourself to achieve these incremental steps, and you you celebrate the small successes, the little wins that get you a little bit closer each time. And then before you know it, you've achieved something that you didn't even know that uh, could be possible. Right. And what you just said is is, is huge. So celebrate. Right. So 
success without fulfillment is the ultimate ultimate failure, right? So each success really has to be met with a celebration because that's an emotional experience. And if you can if you can couple, they're called anchors. If you can couple emotional um, emotions with an with an action or an activity, you just amplify it like ten times. I mean, just silly. Like today, you know, I, I was training these guys and guys going thirteen minute mile, and he's like, you know, I can't run a mile. And he ran a mile today and just kept going like it was no business. I go, no, we're stopping and we're going to celebrate, high five, you know, we're going to look around, we're going to enjoy the scenery, and I'm coupling all of these emotions, sight, all these senses too, sight, smell, sound, touch, all into that that situation so that it, it really drives it home. And that's that's important to celebrate, like what you just said. It's so important. Well, it sounds like there's such a mind game to all of this as well, that so many folks think that, uh, think that athletes are successful just based on physicality, but it isn't. There's other domains that are present. In this case, for sure, your mental game needs to be right. And having that support network, I'm sure, helps. But the question I have is, like, so you're doing all this, and you're, you're still on active duty working. <laughs> How do you fit all this in? I mean, it's amazing. It's called net right? No extra time. And if you, if you can cast that net, right, and capture that, what you thought you had no extra time, for one, I go TV, right? If you have a TV, you're draining your, your capability. You're, you're draining your destiny, really. If, if you're sitting around and, and you're doing an activity that's not pushing towards your major life goals, in, in the categories, you know, personal, professional, family, relationship, financial. If, you, if what you're doing at that moment isn't pushing or getting you to a success, that's your net, right? You need to, you need to cast that net to catch it. So I don't watch TV, all right? I don't even have cable. I don't even know how to get cable. I don't care. And if I'm driving, like, I'm compressing my apps, like, as silly as it sounds. People are going to laugh at me, but, like, Every little bit matters, big time. If you were to just put away, and and you're trying to be purposeful in what you do, I mean, you're you're approaching every moment that way. Absolutely right. So what I do today, what my workout today, I can tell you how it impacts my June 19th race next year. Like it all makes sense. Wow. It, it's that's an extreme level, but it's kind of really not. Like you're if you're investing. For everyone, everyone listening should have the TSP. Everybody, right? So, what you put in today, what was this? Payday was last week. So, what you put in last week, you can directly see how that 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 bucks 30 years from now, what that measures to. You should be able to do that in the other aspects of your life. Yeah, I love that. And, and I saw on, on Facebook a post where um, you, you said you'd had a question from somebody about how to, to improve their grip strength. Uh, there weren't any good climbing areas where they lived, and so they, they wanted to know, you know, they want to get better at uh, uh, climbing and just had, didn't have a way to train their grip strength. And you said, hey, get creative with it. Go pull some weeds for an hour. That'll train your fingers. I thought that was great. That's a creative way to, to overcome that. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you saw that post. Yeah, I, I no kidding, hand-pulled all of the weeds in my yard. Uh, and I never did any grip strength training. I mean, it worked. And like, uh, you know, little things, rubber bands, sand in a bucket, you know, just 
even when I'm like I'm swimming, you know, it's the fuel for the water. I roll down my windows in my truck and I put my hand out to feel that air, you know, and I pretend like I'm swimming. And so every little thing can lead up to it. It's it's compounding interest in in your mental capacity, and that's everything. Your family, you know, just making two calls a call, one call a day home to say, hey, I was just letting you know I was thinking about you. I love you. I got to go by. Like, that's a huge dividend in your relationship. Huge. Yeah, we, we talk to people all the time about that, how you know, these little acts of kindness or just these little demonstrations of love, affection, acceptedness, connectedness are, are really big in the long run. And it doesn't take very much in the time. It's just the attention to focus on it and to, to take those steps. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you why I got on Beastmaster is the, there's race directors around the country that run syndicate races and triathlon and, you know, road races and obstacle races. Every single race I go to, I'm there either helping create the race, like um, I'm taking registrations or I'm helping park people or I'm helping set up the tents or I'm helping put out food, or I'm directing volunteers, or whatever, or I'm breaking it down, I'm cleaning it up, or whatever. Like, every single race I do, and that resonates with people, and it's really, you're, you're a brand, and you have to define your brand. And if you, if you don't know who you are, you can't improve on something that doesn't exist. Yes. Sorry, I, I just got to interrupt there. It's so important. We forget that sometimes we let people speak into our lives what we are, and some of that stuff happens young, things like saying, well, you're you a failure, not good enough, these messages that we carry with us. But your brand, it's more than that. It's like, who are you at your core? And your identity can be so focused and so purposeful, which, anyway, I'll let you continue, but that, that's just such an important point. You hit on, a, on something big there, and there's two big things I wanted to really convey in this podcast. Is the first is, you have a story. Everybody has a story, right? What does the story mean? And you have to create the meaning from that story. You Look, Oprah has a seemingly horrific story, but she is the most successful, most powerful woman to grace the planet. I mean, it, what she's done has been amazing. And she's created that out of the meaning of those life events. So, you right now, you listening to this, create an alternate meaning for your life story that empowers you, but also empowers other people when you tell it. Because people, if they don't want to hear your story, you don't want to hear your story, right? And it's probably not empowering to you. So create an alternate meaning for your story. And there's a great one. I think there's a movie, Hitch. He does that great. It, it's great. Create. Your bus driver, I ferry the world's workforce from home to workplace, and I empower the city. You know, you can, you can create whatever meaning from any story. The second thing I wanted to talk about is um, uh, meaning that you have to things that are going on right now. Uh, you can create alternate meanings and an alternate ego for yourself of who you are that empowers everything that you do. So if something happens, you know, with your relationship, I'm going to power through this. And that's the mental, that's the mental game. You talk, you talk to yourself. 
And every day you're creating a story. You're writing paragraphs in your story. So you have to take control of what you tell yourself every day. So let me just reiterate two things you take away from this podcast. Number one, make sure your story rocks. Number two, write a rocking story every day. And what I do in the morning is I say, I'm the voice that you're going to listen to today. You're going to win, not whine. You're going to train, not complain. You're going to lead, not follow. You're going to inspire, whether you have to perspire, respirate, inspirate, respirate, whatever it's going to take. You're going to be that guy that people need today. That's what I tell myself every day. And when I walk around and someone cuts me off, you know, I walk around, you know, and something happens, I get rained on or someone cuts me off, what I tell myself are those things. I don't say anything else. So I write that story every single day. Take control of what you tell yourself. That is unbelievable, Ken. I mean, just the, the way that you sum that up, the, the points that you have. I mean, usually we're, we're the ones uh, wrapping things up and giving people those key takeaways, but you have those all ready to go, and I love it because that says those are, those are things that you live by. They're important enough to you that you hold them close to your heart. And, and you know, I really thank you for sharing those with us because I, I think it is extremely important that people are cognizant of uh, what their story is and how they're advancing that story, how they're writing it every single day and, and what that means for them on a, on a very personal level. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ken, I apologize, but we got to wrap up in the interest of time. I just got one more question for you. What does the future hold for you? Where's your story going? I say you have to tune in. Can you say it one more time? You'll have to tune in. Tune in. We'll do. <laughs> no, we will. No, and we, I also think that this is a great round one, Ken. Um, I want to thank you for that because I really would like to come back at, at your convenience. I realize you're doing this in the midst of a PCS. Thank you so much for making time. I would love at some point in the future to invite you back, maybe just to dig deep in one of these areas. This was so much better than we could have expected. So thank you for influencing our airmen. I really appreciate it. Do you have any other parting shots you'd like to share? No, I, I, am, I am available 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any of our airmen. I answer and respond to every single email, text message, message, post, whatever. I respond to it and I never charge for anything. <laughs> and one thing, Ken, uh, too, where can they connect with you on Facebook? So you can just do uh, Air Force Ken. You can Google it. You can Facebook search it, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you need. Air Force Ken is, should be on there, that platform. Well, thank you for this. Thank you for taking your time. I know it's valuable. We appreciate it more than you know. And, and to the airmen who are listening today, we want to thank you for what you do. We know your jobs aren't easy. You're working a lot of weird hours, changes all the time. Um, your families are under a lot of stress and so forth. But we want to thank you for what you do. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, uh, look us up if you need us. We'll talk to you later. Have a great Air Force day. Bye.